Checkity check check Stofferson. Checkity check check Stofferson. Hey, uh, Phil here. Short for Philip. Um, your host of PH5, the podcast you are currently listening to. Uh, maybe you uh, stumbled upon this by accident somehow. You accidentally, uh, or maybe your cat walked across your keyboard and hit the uh, keys PH and 5 and then the space bar, sorry, the enter bar, <laughs> the enter bar. That's what I'll be doing later. Not, I'm, I won't be going to a bar later, but you know, it would have, would have been an applicable joke for another time. Um, and now I just threw off my whole bit about, uh, you know, your cat accidentally typing in PH5 and that's how you uh, found this podcast. Um, if, if you uh, didn't find it via cat paw, um, welcome back. And it's nice to, I guess, be talking to you. It's gonna say nice to see you, but um, <laughs> I don't want you guys to know about those hidden cameras quite yet. That'll be a season four reveal, I think. Um, May, that's what we're talking about today, for the record. Uh, that was my birthday month, you know. And I have to bring this up every opportunity I ever can. Um, but, uh, my last name is May, for those of you who don't know. And, uh, my birthday's in May. <laughs> what? Uh, what? That's like, uh, if a guy's name was, like, I don't know. Or, oh, hold on. I can think of an actual example here. This would be like if January Jones was born in the month of January. It'd make you just kind of go, like, uh, what? <laughs> what? Uh, excuse me? Uh, similar situation here. Um, but yeah, I, I had a birthday, so that, that's cool. I celebrated, well, <laughs> I celebrated, um, my one year at work, when you're at my latest and greatest job, uh, just a few days ago. Time flies. I'm pretty sure I, I told all of you, uh, PH5ers out there when I got that job last year around this time. So use that as a little metric for time and how it flies by. Uh, in terms of music, which is what the highlight and focus of this show will be today, May was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, there were some good albums, even a few great albums, but like, on the whole, not like, not a spectacular month by any means. And to be honest, I mean, there's already been a batch of June albums that have come out already. Uh, in this first week that I've been listening to yesterday and this morning that I think are really interesting and I'm excited to talk about those but I'm getting way too ahead of myself because I, I still gotta slog through these May releases first. Um, yeah, I really fucked myself over with the format of uh, the show that I have, you know, just kind of created the, this jail for myself. Um, this content jail that I, I that I hide behind these bars in, where I can only speak about a certain month at a time. But such is life. Um, 
I'm not hungover today, so it's looking like this is going to be a longer one. I mean, <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm kind of in a, a rambly mood. So, let's see what I can do. I don't want to put you guys through a freaking Oppenheimer. Um, so, I'll try to be concise, but no promises. And, I mean, you don't come here for a concision. Uh, you come here for... something. So, let's get into it. Um, May 2023 music releases. This is Phil, your host of PH5. Let's get her done. So, number five, and I think this is like a new tradition. What with it happening um, two months in a row. That's all you need is twice for tradition. This is what I always say. Twice is tradition. Um, number five, we're going with uh, kind of an obscure record here. It is by the band Blindfolded and Led to the Woods. And the album is called Rejecting Obliteration. Just some nice, light, easy stuff to get us going on this month's episode. And I say it's kind of like a tradition because. Uh, similar to last month, number five spot, which went to Dodime's Guard. <laughs> Remember that shit? Although I gotta say, that album I think I underrated. It's pretty awesome. I've been going back to that one quite a bit. Um, maybe one of those, uh, sleeper picks that snakes its way up the rankings as the year goes on. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I kind of call out that comparison because this is another band that like I'd never really heard of before um, they're both ostensibly metal bands um, and they both have ridiculous names and they both are like kind of I feel like they're fairly obscure I mean I never heard of this band before this album came out and it, it got some nice reviews and uh, you know spurred me to go and check it out but, uh, it's really cool. So, they're, like, basically in their foundation. Like a death metal band. But, and, like, death metal isn't necessarily my favorite genre. My favorite subgenre of metal, anyway. But, uh, there's something special about this record that kind of kept bringing me back to it. And we saw another kind of high-profile death metal release this month with uh, the new Frozen Soul record, which is good. You know, if you like kind of standard run-of-the-mill death metal, that will certainly um, do it for you. But that particular brand of it has never really excited me. I, I like, you know, weird shit, I guess. And there's enough kind of weird things going on on this Blindfolded, which I'm going to refer to the band name as from now on, because... If I have to say their name, the whole name, every single time that I talk about them, this will become a this will become a three-hour odyssey. So, the blindfolded record is definitely death metal, but they bring in enough interesting kind of songwriting choices and decisions to kind of keep your interest peaked as you're listening to the whole record. 
Um, kind of on another note of notable death metal releases from this month, uh, Cattle Decapitation released their latest, uh, Terracite, and I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that album too, but I, I didn't really know where it would fit in the whole schema of things, so I'm just gonna hijack the blindfolded discussion to talk about Cattle for a second. Um, but these guys have been around for a long, long time. Like, they're coming on 30 years or something like that, which is pretty wild. And it's pretty impressive that they're still releasing music. But I gotta say, like, they've been kind of tuned into this, like, weird, like, mellow death thing in the past few records that is, uh, I don't know. I find it gets stale pretty quickly. And it's, it's the case for this latest uh, Cattle Decapitation record, too. I mean, I remember being in, like, high school. And Karma Bloody Karma came out. Which is, like, one of the best death grind records ever, I'd say. And I remember I had the, the Cattle Decapitation shirt. <laughs> with the, uh, like, the cow um, doing the, like like the yoga thing and just wearing it to school and like just loving the fact that I'm like chilling in class with this shirt that says cattle decapitation on it but anyway they were really fresh really exciting back then and um I remember going to see them I think it was a summer slaughter concert and it was really funny because if I recall correctly this particular lineup had both cattle decapitation and decapitated <laughs> like oh like the least amount of heads at a show ever i'd say uh but that show was crazy and their live show was nuts i remember a specific i think he did it a few times trick that the front man did when he plays live he would like you know do his you know really disgusting shriek scream thing and then he would spit this glob of spit into the air and then he would catch it in his mouth again and then continue screaming it was so gross but I mean you know death grind is pretty gross and what were the gore grind yeah because their whole thing was just about like you know mutilating humans so I mean it fit right I mean it's, it's gross shit anyway so anyway all this to say um there's been a few death metal albums that have come out this month that have kind of just been underwhelming. So, for this to come across as blindfolded and led to the woods album, it was kind of a breath of fresh air, you know? Kind of like, oh, that's kind of two misses in this category for me in a row. Um, you know, maybe I'm just inherently not meant to like this genre. But this album made me, uh, you know? reassured me that I do have the capacity to love death metal. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's it's a very, and I know this is going to sound silly, but it's like very aggressive, <laughs> obviously, right? But like, there's not a lot of like, kind of mid-tempo trotting tracks, which was kind of my issue with the, the Frozen Soul album, was there's so many like mid-tempo songs in that one. It all just kind of blended in the same. 
This one is high octane. It, it, it goes off. There are sick riffs, sick solos. They bring in tastefully some electronic elements, but only really when it elevates the song or the sound. Um, they're not just there for the hell of it. Uh, intentionally placed. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a solid kind of fresh, forward-thinking death metal record. Um, they're from New Zealand, too. So, that's always a plus. Anyway, coming in at number five, we have Blindfolded and Led to the Woods, Rejecting Obliteration. And in a lot of ways, you know, this record uh, did reject the obliteration of my opinion of new death metal releases. So kudos and tip the hat to the on-point album name, folks. Number four, we have <laughs> we have Clark with, and maybe one of my favorite album titles of the year so far, Sus Dog. Yep, S-U-S, dog. So, Clark... Clark's an interesting guy. Because he's kind of been on the scene for a very long time. But he seems very willing to kind of not be in the limelight. And not really create music that demands attention and acclaim and all this kind of stuff. Like, he's... He's got his own kind of little wheelhouse, and he's been working within it for like 20 years now. And, you know, his work as a producer is, is pretty expansive at this point. It's hard to kind of pin down a definitive Clark sound. Um, but that's worked to his benefit because he's been able to, you know, take his music and, you know, work on soundtracks and have a practical use for his production skills uh, which is you know pretty necessary to do if you're kind of committing your life to making um, electronic music that isn't big 10 EDM um, or you know like pure house kind of shit so he's found a way to kind of carve out a niche in himself in the electronic music sphere and uh, he's been plugging away at it for, yeah, again, like about 20 years now. You know, to, to mixed degrees of um, success, which makes sense. I first heard of Clark, actually, um, I thought of John Hopkins show. And it was the Tour for Immunity which actually, Immunity came out 10 years ago to the day, almost today or yesterday, the day before or something like that. And if you haven't heard Immunity by John Hopkins, you really have to check it out. It's, it's, it's spectacular. It's really special stuff. Um, but Clark was at this opening, was at the show, opening for John Hopkins, and again, it was very much like his on record presence intriguing but not especially captivating I guess I would say enough that I always remembered who he was after the show but like 
the John Hopkins portion of that evening was just mind-blowingly incredible. So, obviously, that's where the attention was. And, again, that's kind of a good metaphor for Clark's whole career, you know? Intriguing, but, you know, usually getting kind of overshadowed by something else, doing something a little bit more big, if you will. So on this latest record, um, Clark takes an interesting turn because for the first time in his 20-year career, he's made a record that focuses on his voice. He's never really sang on any of his records before. He's had a lot of guest vocalists in the past, but this is the first time that he's actually kind of making songs for his voice. And interestingly enough, the record was executive produced by none other than Tom York, which I think is really fitting because they have they have kind of similar style voices, kind of these airy falsettos. Um, Tom York obviously has a much, much wider range and is just a better singer. I mean, it's Tom York for Christ's sake. But when you listen to this record, it does remind me a lot of what Tom York did with um, a lot of his solo music. Uh, but while Tom York was always content to kind of work in, you know, cold, digitized realm, this is a surprisingly warm and almost organic sounding record at times. Um, it's definitely still electronic, but... I feel like there's either a lot of live instrumentation used or this guy's got some of the best goddamn VSTs on the planet because it sounds live, basically. And he described kind of the ethos going into it being like, what if the Beach Boys took MDMA and played a show at a rave? I I don't really see that, if I'm being honest. I, I, I don't know why... He, where that description is coming from. It doesn't really sound like that at all to me. Uh, but you, you kind of you kind of see where he's getting at. Like, it's a record full of, you know, vocal harmonies and um, just, I don't want to say good vibes, but certainly vibes. Uh, the record on itself isn't especially remarkable, but it does have this very endearing quality to it that kind of keeps pulling me back, keeps me interested, keeps me wanting to listen to it. Um, and the highlight of the record, the fantastically named Clutch Perlers, is a great track, one of my favorite songs of the year so far. Um, and, and any record like this needs kind of an anchor like that, you know? Uh, if the whole album's good, you need one song that's great. And that, that can kind of inspire you to keep going back to the record and inspire you to listen to all the other songs around that great song. And that's how you come to come to realize that, oh wait, this is actually pretty good on the whole and not just the one track. So yeah, I mean, strange record, hard to classify, but I'd say kind of anyone can get something out of this record um absolutely worth a listen you know really cool to hear him you know take risks and incorporate his voice 20 years into his career and it actually works he's got kind of a nice voice 
It's it's uh it's working for me. And I don't know what a sus dog is, but uh you know I I, I keep coming back to the record, hoping to find out. And uh, if you figure it out, let me know. So coming in at number four, we have Clark, sus dog. Okay, for number three, we have. Okay, here we go. Midwife and Viva Melancholia. I don't know, some, some Russian shit. Uh, with orb weaving. So. Midwife is the solo project of um, this artist. <laughs> Duh. And uh, I forget her name right now, my bad. She makes music that she describes as heaven metal. Kind of like a play on heavy metal, I guess. Um, it's a misnomer. It's basically just, uh, like, imagine if Grouper made Dream Pop, um, and, and used amps, and that's basically what it sounds like. Uh, very reverb-heavy, very intentionally lo-fi, um, music that just kind of digs into your skin. Um, and she released the record... Sophomore or something two years ago or so. It was pretty cool. And I'd say that's kind of the same case with this record here. It's pretty cool. Um I'm trying to figure out what uh this a melancholia woman did to contribute to this record. Um because it basically just sounds like the last midwife record. I don't really know what's different. But I'm sure she did something, so shout out to her too. And yeah, you end up with this record of uh, kind of these dreamy songs that can almost act as like lullabies from an alternate dimension. If uh, you're the kind of person that believes in alternate dimensions. Um, and again, the record is... Uh, it, it's pretty good. I don't know if it's especially remarkable, but I wanted to include it because this record was actually uh, very helpful for me this month. Um, functional. There we go. Here he goes about functionality again. But uh, a few weeks ago, I went to um, a concert. I went to a Greg Pucciato show, which for the record was fantastic. He killed it. He absolutely killed it. But when I got to the show, I realized that I forgot my ear earplugs, my my earplugs for the noise situation. And I'm dumb because the last time that I went to a show that I forgot my earplugs was a uh, neurosis in 2017, and that's when I got tinnitus. So, <laughs> uh, so you'd think I would learn not to do this again but uh i didn't learn um so i'm at the show forgot my earplugs but i'm like you know what whatever it like how long can you play for really how loud can you be really plus i was just really excited to see him he really is one of my favorite artists and i wasn't about to like miss out on this show because uh, i forgot some earplugs so i was like fuck it 
It'll be fine. Had a great time with the show. Awesome show. I was right up there. You guys would have been so proud of me. It's like I was 15 again. Um, but upon leaving the show, I essentially couldn't hear anything at all. <laughs> like, it was really bad. Um, felt like my ears were stuffed with clay, and the ringing was like 10 times louder than it currently always is, which is bad because the ringing's already extremely loud all the time anyway. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh fuck. Like, I've really done it now, you know? Like, my hearing's already bad enough as is. I really can't afford to lose any more. Um, and I've just completely screwed my ears up. So, for the next few days, it, for it fortunately did go away eventually, but it took a few days, and I was incredibly anxious for those few days. Um, yeah, was not feeling good. And I was kind of afraid of sound, but I, I needed to listen to something. I needed something to kind of distract me from the terrorizing thoughts that I was experiencing. So... I turned to this record. It was the only record that I had at the time that was soothing and comforting enough and quiet enough to make me feel like I could listen to music without, like, permanently damaging myself, you know? So this record was kind of my companion for those few days of recovery. Anyway, I'm back to normal, you know, back to baseline of extremely loud tinnitus, but, you know, you, you get used to it after a few years, and, uh, yeah, the Midwife record, sorry, the Midwife and Viva Melancholia record, uh, was really there for me to get me through that. Um, now I will say, the record kind of annoys me, because it's five songs, and, uh, the fifth song of those five is just a ten minute long kind of ambient thing. So there's only really four songs on the album. This isn't, this is, this is an EP, folks. You know, let's be real. But you know what? Those four songs are great. They're kind of hypnotizing in a, you know, very ethereal way. Um, I just kind of wanted more, you know? But you know what? Gotta give them credit. They helped me through a dark time. So, you know, as a thank you, I will give them the number three position on May 2023's PH5 list. You're welcome, ladies. Coming in at number three, we have Midwife and Viva Melancholia with Orb Weaving. Okay, so. Coming in at... Oh, yeah, we're doing the mentions now. Uh, so, let's cue that ship. Boo! These are the mentions. The mentions. mentions. All right. So, dishonorable mention. Um, life is, life is reactionary, isn't it? Wouldn't you say? We all, uh, we all exist on a pendulum that, uh, swings back and forth through space and time in an, in ever, in ever widening arc. Just some context <laughs> for, uh, this new record. So, the dishonorable mention 
for the month is Living Proof by Drain. Now, why am I trying to get this context? And so, okay, this has been the year where I've kind of, you know, refound my love for hardcore. And, you know, I think I've talked about that a few times in a few different episodes, but uh, the genre is just kind of having a renaissance, and there have been a number of amazing hardcore records that have pushed the envelope and I mean I did a whole I did a whole thing on them a few months ago of these really special kind of forward-thinking hardcore bands and records that uh, have really made the genre one of the more interesting genres going right now in my opinion so the reason why I want to talk about this record is because this is a record that's kind of making me... It's the first, like, hardcore record that I've been excited to drop in a long time that is actually kind of just been disappointing. And, and it has in many ways made me, like, remember the things that I didn't like about the genre to begin with. And it's interesting because... The first Drain record, I remember not really liking that much either, uh, California Cursed. Um, but it was, like, that was one of the first big, new, like, hardcore renaissance records that came out. Um, and, you know, because of that, like, you know, obviously the sophomore has a lot of, a lot riding on it, you know, highly anticipated. You know, Drain is one of the the bigger, you know, pure hardcore bands out right now. Um, I mean, they've got a summer tour going on sponsored by freaking Monster Energy Drink, for goodness sake. Just to give you a sense of, like, you know, how important this band is to the scene. The problem is, um, the music just isn't really quite living up to the stature that this band seems to have. I play this record a few times, and that excitement, that, like, spark, that, you know, that, that passion, that energy that I've heard in so many of these other hardcore records this year, I just didn't really find it here. I, I, I found it to be, honestly, kind of boring. So, it, I don't know, it's like, it just kind of sucks that, you know, one of your, you know, cash cow hardcore bands releases something kind of mediocre, you know, because, like, it's kind of similar to, think about this, and maybe this is a bad example, it's probably a bad example, it's a terrible example, but it's an example. This whole thing about, like, oh, you know, every five or six years, Adele comes along and saves the music industry, you know? She releases an album that gets so much, um, makes so much money, and that money gets kind of pooled into the music industry as a whole, and bands can kind of, and artists can continue operating. And the same thing with, like, I don't know, like, Avatar, like, oh, you know, it made so much money, it, like, kind of revitalized the film industry. And 
so you you kind of want your your marquee acts to deliver because when they succeed everyone succeeds you know um, and I know this is almost like a trickle-down economics way of approaching um, success in niche genres but that's kind of the case I mean if you also take a look at this drain tour they're bringing a bunch of acts that probably are gonna get a lot of exposure and attention that they would have gotten otherwise if not for this big you know corporate sponsored tour you need the music to be good though I wanted to go to that tour but I was waiting until this record to kind of figure out if I was gonna go or not and now I'm, I'm not gonna bother because I don't know the music just doesn't really seem worth it so like drain you guys have established yourselves as one of the biggest bands in the genre I think you just got to hold yourself to higher standards and I know it's not just me you know I know it's not just me I feel like this record kind of came and went without really any hoopla you know it, it, it didn't really leave a mark no one really cared about it. Um, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, think about, and, and this is maybe a bad example. <laughs> I'm full of those today. But Turnstile, you know? Turnstile was the biggest band in hardcore before they released Glow On. And that is, like, an absolutely incredible record. And the success of that record has shone more light into hardcore and is given all this shine to everyone else but a lot of that has to do with how good that record was so you know again i don't want to sound like a freaking you know carl economics over here but when the big guys eat everyone eats it's kind of counterintuitive to the way a lot of other things work, but in, in this case, it's kind of true. Um, so yeah, dishonorable mention is Drain, Living Proof. Just make something a little bit more interesting next time, please. Thank you. So the mention for the month is the surprise release album by Kanate. To be cruel. Uh huh. To be cruel is a good way of putting it. So, Kanade is like a, a, a drone band, I guess you would call them. Um, pretty sure Stephen O'Malley of Sun O is uh, in this band, and they've been known for. Uh, they've been around for a long time only released a few records of just very punishing drone metal kind of music. Um, whereas Sun-O, and I know that's not the right way to say it, I know it's just Sun, but fuck off, it's Sun-O. Sun-O has an almost artfulness to their drone, you know, it's, it's an attempt to them to kind of create textures and, and elicit, you know, a variety of emotions from you when you're listening to it. Uh, this band is, is focusing 
entirely on the bad stuff. And this might be their most uncompromising, punishing record yet. This is just, this is hard to listen to. It might be one of the most difficult records I think I've ever heard. And, you know, I like to think I'm an open-minded guy and, and can handle some tough shit. But this was a, this was a challenge to get through. I recently saw, um, Bo is Afraid. You guys heard of this? The latest Ari Aster movie featuring Joaquin Phoenix. And that movie is three hours of pure antagonism. <laughs> like, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that is willfully trying to piss off the viewer as much as that movie did. And the fact that it's three hours long, again, just, just adds to it. It is a monument of antagonism, essentially. And that really reminds me of this record. Like, these guys are trying to make you feel sick, basically, with this music. Like, they want you to turn it off. It's essentially what it sounds like to me. Because it is just so gross, so just... It's just nasty. There's there's all the things that you can think about in music that keep you coming back to things. Almost none of that can be found here. Purposefully, you know? It's just grating. It's three 20-minute long songs of just discordant chords, mewling, shrieking, um, you know choked whispers it's just it's it's nasty i've listened to it one time i have no desire to ever go back to it but i will say you know that one time that was an experience and that's kind of how i felt about bo is afraid too i mean it was an experience i'm glad i saw it i don't know if i'll ever willingly put myself through that again but you know i'm like i'm kind of proud that i did it and that's how I feel about this record. I'm proud of myself for sticking through it and listening to it the whole way through. Now I know. And I never ever want to do that again. So, the mention for May 2023 is the astoundingly aptly titled To Be Cruel by Kanate. And for the honorable mention, we have the record I've Seen Away by Mandy Indiana. Uh, Mandy Indiana is a British band named after a fictional American town with a singer who only sings in French. <laughs> Talk about having a case of freaking identity crisis. Like, <laughs> what's the geographical situation with you guys, really? Um... This was a record that came out that a lot of people loved, or really liked, I guess, that I'm not particularly entirely sold on, but I also, like, I get it, and I think there's a lot of promise here, and that's why I kind of wanted to slot it into this position. Because um, it doesn't quite land, but I can see how it will land eventually, if that makes sense. A lot of promise. Um, so it's kind of like in very almost texture-based uh, 
industrial-ish, borderline dance-ish music. Hard to explain. Kind of a, like a an, another variant of this, uh, you know, kind of post, post-punk that's pretty popular now. If you take a look at like Model Actress and uh, Gilla Band and, and, and acts like that. Um, but these, these guys seem a little bit more concerned with, you know, body movement and, and getting the people moving more so than, uh, you know, kind of punishing rhythms like those other two that I mentioned. Uh, what really kind of drew me to this band initially was the lead up, the singles leading up to the album had this really cool kind of art aesthetic. It was just looked kind of like a like a, a tiled room filled with water, and you see that on the the album art as well. Another image of kind of the same room, and it's a it's an image of a, a space that doesn't exist. You know, it's a it's like a photograph of something that it looks familiar, but there's no way that what you're looking at actually exists in real life. The music's pretty similar to that too. You know, it sounds familiar to a lot of things, sounds similar to a lot of things, but it's not really any of those things at the same time. Um, and the vocalist singing in French the entire time um, kind of adds to that surreal component of it all. Um, I don't know what she's saying, I haven't really spent the time to, taking the time to, you know, translate the lyrics, and a lot of the lyrics are kind of hard to pick out anyway, but you get the vibe that she's singing about some kind of, you know, surrealish sounding shit. It's a cool record, again, it's, it's interesting, interesting textures, I wouldn't necessarily say you're gonna go in it for the melodies or even necessarily memorable songs, but they're onto something here. I don't think they've quite got it yet, but I, I think they remind me a lot of Snowman, which is this Australian band from kind of the late 2000s that unfortunately disbanded, but I was obsessed with these guys. They were so cool, and they kind of did a similar thing to Mandy Indiana. Um, where they started out kind of as this industrial noise rocky kind of band before morphing into something else entirely. And that's what I see happening with this band, you know? They're starting off with a template that is a little bit kind of overused at this point, for being real. Especially currently when this is a kind of the genre du jour in a lot of cases. But, um,. I see the potential here to kind of go into a cocoon and, and come out of something entirely new that, you know, takes a lot of the elements of the sound now and, and expands upon them, pushes them in a new direction, and creates music that's genuinely exciting instead of just intriguing like it is now. So I've got hope for them. Honorable mention, I've seen a way by Mandy Indiana. These are the mentions. Okay. Number two 
we have Jerome's dream with the gray in between. So I talked a little bit before about a uh, drain and how, you know, it was kind of a disappointing hardcore record. Um, this is like the opposite of that. <laughs> this, this is an album that far surpassed any expectations that I had for it. So Jerome's Dream were kind of around in the uh, early 2000s on the Screamo scene, and they had this brand of really lo-fi, really caustic Screamo that um, was just not interested in catering to any of your needs and just intent on being as blistering and emotional as possible. Fast forward literally almost 20 years later, and here we are with uh, their third record. And it's not quite a reinvention for the band. They still play Screamo that sounds basically dripped in battery acid. Um, but they've not necessarily made it not lo-fi. They've taken the lo-fi sound and kind of taken it up a level where it still sounds lo-fi, but it's clearer and it, 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 it hits harder, you know? If, if, is there a way to, to like elevate lo-fi? I don't know, but that's kind of what it sounds like they've done here. They haven't, they haven't cleaned up their sound necessarily, but they've presented lo-fi in a way that makes it easier to listen to, I guess. That doesn't mean that the music itself is any less harsh or, um, you know, uncompromisingly emotional, because it absolutely is. And it's always so funny to me, like, I remember when the City of Caterpillar album came out last year, it was like, these screamo guys, like, now in their 40s, like, making screamo music that, you know, they popularized when they were in their, like, late teens and early 20s. It's kind of a funny concept, right? Like, chubby dads making screamo. Um, but I'm telling you, you listen to this record and it sounds like it could have been made by a bunch of, you know, 16-year-olds in a basement channeling all of their, you know, angst into uh, really powerful music. This is arguably Jerome's Dream's best album. I mean, it, it, it hits just as hard as any of their old stuff while, you know, hitting in a more clear fashion. Um, it's noisy and discordant and chaotic at times and, you know, quiet and sullen at times. Lots of great dynamics across the record. And it doesn't really wear out its welcome either. It's, it's only about 24 minutes long. So it comes in, it kind of pulverizes you with its, you know, emotional, chaotic beauty, and then it, it, it leaves. Um, it's just kind of impressive to see an act making music that is so firmly rooted in one specific era, and almost like one specific age group, um, making that kind of music, again, almost 20 years later, 
um, and making it sound just as, if not more vital than it did when it initially came out. Um, that's hard to do. So, shouts out to Jerome's Dream. Coming in at number two for the month of May 2023, we have The Gray in Between by Jerome's Dream. Kind of rhymed a little bit. I'm sure that was intentional. Alright, we're doing good for time. I gotta say, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, good for me. So, coming in at number one for May 2023, we have Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel with Maps. Billy Woods, that's right. Back again. Um, I think I, I must have talked about this guy a half dozen times on this podcast alone. But that's for good reason. And that reason is because, you know, he's probably the best rapper on earth. I think I said that about Boldy James last time. I'd say but these two have a... They've, they've got good competition right now for each other. I mean, both of them are on legendary runs. Um, but I'd say I'd have to give a slight edge to Billy Woods. Because... With Boldy, you get variations on the same thing with every record. Now, that same thing is amazing. Um, so, um, that's no complaints here. But... In ways, you kind of know what you're going to get, and that's what you get. He's great at making it sound interesting and different. Um, but yeah, you kind of know exactly what you're going to get with every Boldy James record. And once again, just want to say there's nothing wrong with that. But for Billy Woods, he kind of revels more in the abstract a little bit more. And you could almost say, I guess, that you know what you're going to get in that sense from a Billy Woods record. But, I don't know, like, is, is expecting the unexpected still means that it's expected? <laughs> Does that make any sense? I don't know. The point being, um, yeah, Billy Woods has been on a legendary run, whether by himself or with Elucid, um, with his Armand Hammer project. Uh, for, I'd say, a good four years now. And coincidentally, what really started that legendary run was his last collaboration with Kenny Siegel, um, 2019's Hiding Places. This is their first kind of collaborative record since. Kenny Siegel's a uh, producer, by the way. And in a lot of ways, you could almost look at this record as kind of a victory lap for Billy Woods. Um... Last year, with the release of Aethiopies and Church, his profile kind of got taken up to the next level. Um, it seemed pretty widely accepted that those were two of the best records of the year, um, just by general hip-hop media, music media, um, PH5 media. I think that was like my number two or three record from last year. And it seems like he's just finally getting the respect that he deserves. And it would be tempting to look at this record as almost a 
you know, like I said, victory lap, like a more kind of tossed off record, um, coming off the heels of two big, serious, important records for him. And it, that isn't even necessarily untrue, but I think it speaks to how incredibly gifted Billy Woods is that this, you know, quote-unquote victory lap record is pretty easily the best hip-hop record of the year so far. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone would say anything against that. And that's not just because it's been a pretty slow year for hip-hop generally, but it's just that good. So this is a concept record about touring and, you know, travel and, and things like that. But instead of it kind of being as straightforward as, you know, a concept record about touring has, um, in typical Billy Woods fashion, he injects this kind of surreal nature into uh, his raps about, you know, the touring life. And this almost feels like a, you know, like the rap album version of, um, fuck, what's that? You know, the, what's his name? Bat Country. Fuck! I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Hold on a sec. Hold on. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That's the one. It's almost like the rap album version of that, but instead of being focused on, you know, road trips and psychedelics, um, Billy Woods makes it about, you know, planes and, and weed. <laughs> this is a record that talks a lot about kind of the strange kind of placelessness that one has when one is on tour and kind of the surreal nature of, you know, falling asleep in one city and waking up in another one and, you know, night after night of different stages and seeing different variations of the same crowd looking back at you and being really stoned the entire time and eating lots of crazy food along the way. I mean, that's, that's basically what this whole album is about. But Billy is a true poet. Um, not only is he an absolute master of, you know, the technical aspects of rap, although he doesn't rest on his laurels in that sense at all. Um, he raps loosely, and uh, you, you would never really think of him as a really technical rapper. You know, what you're there for is listening to his wordplay and listening to all the double meanings and entendres and everything that he's saying. It's, it's music that you really just sit down and kind of, you know, do annotations on. And it's funny because, like, Ethiopia's last year was really dense that way. It was one of those records that you could sit down and literally just, like, pick apart each line. And that's how we made it, you know? It was a, a statement record um, meant to really showcase, like, I mean, not to make him sound like a dick, but like showcase just like what a smart guy he is, you know, and how thoughtful his rapping can be. 
more of a playful approach here. You know, he's taking things less seriously. Um, there's kind of a more of a vibe of him, you know, joking around with his friends on this record. Um, great guest features, by the way. Uh, you got a double dose of Elucid. You've got maybe the best Danny Brown verse that I've heard in years. Um, Aesop Rock is on here randomly. Um, Kel Chris shows up again for another great verse. Uh, the Future Islands guy comes in and does a hook. You know, and he, that guy does like rap stuff, so I was kind of expecting him to do a verse, but no, he just does the hook. He does a great job at that too, so. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a much looser, freer record than anything that he released last year. But it's still just so good. It's, the beat selection is fantastic. Um, Kenny Siegel doesn't exactly reinvent the wheel here. But his beats are just interesting enough to really kind of act as second fiddle to Billy Woods's, you know, outlandish tales of, you know, different cuisines and, and you know, smoking shitty weed in, like, weird places across the globe. Um, and the whole thing is just a really satisfying experience. Uh, it, it shows that you can make a great rap record without it being, you know, a really serious affair. Without it being this, like, big statement, you know? You can, you can make something of really high quality and, and still kind of have a fun time doing it, too. And, of course, it's Billy Woods, so his idea of fun is pretty different from the rest of ours. And there are moments of the record that you kind of get a sense of unease and, and, and claustrophobia, as I'm sure he feels when he's touring, you know, and just feeling isolated and, and kind of in a detached space from the rest of the world. A liminal space, if you will. Living in this semi-permanent liminal space but it's just it's a good time to listen to it's thoughtful and yeah I mean it's a concept record about touring <laughs> but it, it's incredible I don't know you just really got to check it out I mean at this point we expect the most from Billy Woods and he delivers every single time so, yeah, here's the kudos to the king, best rapper alive, Billy Woods, number one, May 2023, with MAPS, collaboration with Kenny Siegel. Okay, so, I mean, timing not too bad today, I think we did okay. That'll be it for May, I'm excited for June, like I said, there's already been some fascinating records that have come out that uh, I just can't wait to sink my teeth into and ramble about for an hour in about a month from now but until then everybody stay safe stay clean stay healthy and uh, yeah that's it okay bye <laughs>